Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone, and our virtual class for A Course in Miracles with Robert Rosenthal, M.D. Dr. Bob joins me on the second Thursday of the month at 3 p.m. Eastern to break down and interpret specific sections of the course. A Course in Miracles, if you're not familiar, is published by the Foundation for Inner Peace, where Dr. Bob has served on the board of directors since 1992 and now serves as co-president. He was a close personal friend and protege of Bill Thetford, Ph.D., co-scott co-scribe of the course, and has been familiar with its teaching since before it was published. He is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit, which interprets the biblical story of Exodus and demonstrates the ego's perception of life's conditions. If you'd like to connect with Dr. Bob, visit FromPlagueStomiracles.com. You can read excerpts or purchase the book. Visit ACIM, as in A Course in Miracles.org, to learn more about and purchase A Course in Miracles. And tune into weekly virtual classes. They have a, a, large, um, a large resource that you can tap into. And if you would like to hear other episodes and study with us, you can review the archives at spiritualinsightsradio.com. We would appreciate your feedback and any thoughts you have. And today we are continuing our special series. On special relationships, we are now up to Chapter 16, Section 7, The End of Illusions. And so we're very excited to get to this material. So join me in welcoming Dr. Bob back to the show. It's great to be together again, Dr. Bob. How are you? I'm just fine, Char. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm yeah, good. no, it's good. And this is the uh, the, the wrap-up. This is the final section of uh, Chapter 16, Although, um, for all listeners who know A Course in Miracles, uh, it's hardly a wrap-up. It goes right into the next section. It picks up material from other sections. Um, Before the show, Shara and I were talking about resonances to other parts of uh, the teaching. Um, You know, the Course is a symphonic structure, so like eternity, it never ends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We have plenty of material to work with, that's for sure. Indeed. That's for sure. Okay, so do you want to uh, recap the last paragraph of the previous section as a segue? Um, yeah, or, or maybe even we can just, you know, kind of condense uh, the, the last section and, and give a little bit of a, or, or you know, what we've, what, the last several sections, because uh, at this point, you know, we've been doing this most of the year. Um, yeah. 
just the idea of special relationships um, and how the ego uses them. You know, the ego looks to make certain people special in an attempt to compensate for its own lack. Um, remember, the Course talks frequently, um, really from its very first chapter, about <clears throat> the ego as, as kind of the epitome of lack. Um, the moment the ego, the moment we made the decision that we thought we could be separate from God, of course, we're immediately lacking. You know, we, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we, we have everything and suddenly we don't know where everything is. We don't know where we put it and, uh, and we mm. can't reconnect to it because we, we dreamed this dream. So the ego mind, which is kind of the side effect of the separation, is the epitome of lack. And the Course tells us that one of its chief tools, its, its you know, most prized um, defenses for keeping us from the memory of God and from the perfect love that exists for all of us um, and, and for, you know, with our, our, ourselves and our brothers and sisters is this thing called the special relationship. And we all know what it is. You know, it's falling in love. It's having a crush. Um, in a way, it's much broader than that even because it's looking to anyone in any circumstance to complete you in some way, that someone else could have something that you don't have that you then need to tie them down in a bargain with, an unholy bargain, and get something from them. And, of course, in that process, you're reinforcing that you lack um, if they agree with you. Um, the course, you know, talks about you know the spe- the, the perfect uh, relationship as where they see something in you that they're missing, and you see something in them that you're missing, and this is where you know the ego sees a match made in heaven. Um, both are reinforcing separation. Both are reinforcing lack. And the course is offering us a very different model, a very different um, way of viewing relationship that each person holds within them the spark of love uh, and, um, you know, and that, uh, that this is what we want to be selectively seeing and not, not the specialness. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, that's a very thin and um, condensed recap. But maybe, uh, maybe from there we can go and just, you know, read the end of the last section. Yes, and, that was great. And, okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it's the section before this, um, you know, which is titled The Bridge to the Real World, talks about this bridge concept that on one side is the world of the ego, which is, you know, pretty twisted and, and negative uh, and, and crazy, and on the other side is the real world, the world of holy relationships. And it's telling us that we've come too far to go back at this point, but that there's still fear about going forward. And it, 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 it soothes us and um, consoles us and lets us know that, you know, in, in one of the Course's more famous lines um, from the last section, fear not that you will be abruptly lifted up and hurled into reality. Time is kind, and if you use it on behalf of reality, it will keep gentle pace with you in your transition. Because one of the things that people get into is, ooh, I want to go really, really fast. I want to get there. I want to be enlightened by tomorrow morning, um, which, of course, could only come from ego. And then it's, 
you know, kind of like uh, Wile E. Coyote going over the cliff and pedaling his legs. Uh-oh, what did I do? I went too far. Now I'm scared. Now I'm going to, you know, dive back into the arms of what's familiar and comfortable. And the Course is saying, no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit knows exactly the right pace for you. And all you need to do is recognize that you have this perfect guide, this perfect coach um, who knows you better than you know yourself and who will lead you. So with that in mind, I'm going to read the, uh, the last paragraph of, of the previous section. This is paragraph 12. The Holy Spirit asks only this little help of you. Whenever your thoughts wander to a special relationship which still attracts you, enter with him, the Holy Spirit, into a holy instant, and there let him release you. He needs only your willingness to share his perspective, to give it to you completely. And your willingness need not be complete because his is perfect. It is his task to atone for your unwillingness by his perfect faith, and it is his faith you share with him there. Out of your recognition of your unwillingness for your release, his perfect willingness is given you. Call upon him, for heaven is at his call. And let him call on heaven for you. So essentially what this is saying is that, and, and it, again, it echoes um, things that have been said in other parts of the book. On our own, we could never do this. You know, we, we made illusion. We bought into the separation. On our own, we wouldn't be able to get out of it. Um, if, if God hadn't given us this perfect gift of the Holy Spirit, which he placed in our minds, it's part of the, the oneness of the sonship, um, you know, we'd sort of be stuck in oblivion forever, going around and around and around, thinking we're making things better, um, but really just, you know, repeating the same thing over and over and over again. Mm. But with the Holy Spirit, we don't have to have perfect faith. We don't have to have perfect willingness. Um, what we have to have is the willingness to turn things over to him and to recognize that all things being equal, we would want the Holy Spirit's perspective on any given situation so that there's nothing we would want to keep from him. But he's there because we are imperfect and we don't know how to do it on our own. Um, you know, your willingness need not be complete because his is perfect. Um, early on in chapter one of the text, I believe, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, his role and the Holy Spirit's role are to take care of all of the things that you would not be able to forgive on your own. Um, you know, those aspects of separation that just go so deep and are so grandfathered into the whole system that we don't even see that they're there, much less um, bring them to the light of, 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 of heaven and forgiveness. Uh, so, you know, it's it, it's like that chapter that comes um, to, like the section that comes two chapters later, the little willingness. We just have to be willing. We have to recognize that our true will aligns with God's, and in fact, uh -huh. that's the only will there is. And when we do that and turn things over to Holy Spirit, things just start working better in life. And even where they don't work better, you're looking at it and you're going, huh, that's funny. I mean, you know, uh, I usually use a headset for these sessions, and as I was talking to Char before uh, we started, my headset starts beeping, and I look, and it's like, oh, my battery's dying, and I know what that means. I have to call this company. I have to get a new battery. Got to switch phones. 
Um, instead of it being a catastrophe, oh, my God, what am I going to do? This isn't going to work. I'm going to have to hold a phone to my ear for an hour. It's kind of like, ha-ha, all right, here's another chance to practice peace and just turn it over to Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. when things don't go well, we're in greater peace. Um, and when we turn it over, we often discover that things just go a lot better. Um, I guess we could have a new motto, not things go better with Coke, but things go better with Holy Spirit. <laughs> Your bumper thoughts. sticker. Here we go. Yeah, bumper well, sticker, right. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the topic of will because, you know, I've, I've often taught that concept that our will is always in accord with God, right? But then you have yeah. that adage, thy will be done, not my own. So I want to break that down real quickly to um, give a distinction. So if our, if the will of our soul is always in, in accord with God's will, okay, we're, we're in good shape, especially if we're connected to spirit and operating from the higher self. But in terms of thy will be done, not my own, let's consider that the will of the ego. For instance, uh, you're interested in somebody, can't seem to get their attention. All right, that being the case, but I still want them, so I'm going to chase after this. Or I, I want that bigger car. Whatever that is that fits into that, the ego determining what you want for your life, but your soul saying, but you don't need it, and then coming into conflict, that's when you turn it over to Holy Spirit and say, you answer this for me. You know, bring bring me into alignment with my will and the will of God. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. I mean, in a way, that saying "Thy will, not mine" buys into all the old notions of sacrifice. If you if we recognize that there is only one will and it's God's, and that we think we have this other will, but that's really this this imposter, this interloper, the ego then what it's really saying is God's will, not the ego's will. And if that seems like a sacrifice, it's only because we've been so hoodwinked into believing the ego. Because the ego, as we'll see in the section we're going to be reading, Uh really wants to destroy us. Um, Whereas God knows that we are these perfect his perfect creation, um, that we are love and nothing but love, and from that place can come only good. So what what the ego hears as sacrificial, oh my God, thy will, not mine, I've got to give up everything that I want to God, isn't that terrible? Or, no God, I'll make the ultimate sacrifice, I'll give up everything. That's not what's being asked here, because from the Course's perspective, there is nothing real to give up. You give up only illusion. And when you give up illusion, what sort of rushes in to take its place is love, is peace, is light, is oneness. And once we experience those, uh, you know, the other stuff just doesn't look so great anymore. <laughs> it pales in comparison when you feel that that peace and that, that unison with spirit. And um, I want to throw a phrase out that was given to me. Uh, yesterday and now I'm using it as a mantra in terms of living in this world on this planet in this plane of illusion you know we can often feel like victims of life of people of circumstances and so the phrase that was given to me was I'm never a victim always a co-creator never a victim always a co-creator so if you can shift your mindset to that you know that 
thy will be done. Okay, how can I co-create with best for me and what's intended for my life? His will for me, even if I don't know what that is. And then um, shift out of that victimhood. No. Right. Not entirely. We might have desires or um, those impulses that, okay, this is what I feel I should do with my life to be of service. That's good. It's good to know that stuff. But even if you don't know that. Yeah, you know. or even, you know, follow it and, and you'll see. I mean, if, if you're on the right track, things will tend to work out, doors will open, red seas will part, and if it turns out that's not what your real function was, um, you'll learn that too. Things will not work out. You'll be blocked. Um, you'll experience disappointment, defeat, failure, mm-hmm. but out of that, if you're paying attention, you'll make a a turn and you'll discover something else and it'll be, ah, this, this feels right. You know, it's yeah. like being in that relationship that you just, oh my God, I love this person so much. I've got to be with them. And yet every time you're with them, it just doesn't work and you're fighting or, or breaking up with each other. And at some mm-hmm. point, despite the fact what your what that voice in your head is telling you about how wonderful they are, you realize, you know what? It isn't working. There must be a better way. And then when you mm-hmm. find someone else where, oh, this is great. This is, this is so much easier. This is someone I can talk to. This is someone who listens to me. Now, in retrospect, you can look at that old relationship and go, why the heck would I ever have wanted that? But at the time, you didn't know. Um, but so, you know, yeah, we, I, I, I mean, what you were saying about victimhood, lessons 31 and 32 of A Course in Miracles are, I am not, I am not the victim of the world I see, and I have mm-hmm. invented the world I see, which is perfect, exactly what you were just saying. Yeah, and because we can, we can feel that way, but if you can shift your focus to, no, I'm, I'm not a victim. There are no victims in this classroom, to quote Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> but but in, in my state of... In, in, of co-creation, if I can align myself with spirit, let go and allow, that's when everything falls into place. And Dr. Bob and I have given numerous examples of how that flows when you let go, you know, and let go of the struggle and the the seeming control you think you have over circumstances, especially in terms of going after something that's not for your highest good, like someone that you could be in a relationship with. And what you don't know is that they're part of a drug dealing ring and, and that could cause you a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? That happens a lot, you know? <laughs> well, I, I'm does. being funny. <laughs> so I know, but you know, that's what popped up in my memory is like, you know, I, I wanted to be with this person so bad, but I didn't know how bad they were. Yeah, exactly. And or, you know, they turn them. out to yeah. want to drink more or, gee, they just can't resist going after another woman or seducing yep. another guy. I mean, you know, all of this. Um, but but yeah. fundamentally, I think one of the most difficult things to to understand and one of the reasons why A Course in Miracles is not as popular as as some other what I would call New Age manifestation technologies that are out there is because it makes it really clear that from our limited ego perspective, we really don't know what's going to make us happy. You know, we, we, we're deluded. We, I mean, I have a book that will be coming out in, in uh, March, I think it is, called From Nevermind to Evermind. And it's all about you can't get to happiness if you don't know what you are. You know, if, um, if you're 
uh, a cat, but you think you're supposed to be a dog and you're trying to chase cars as a cat, it's not going to make you happy. Um, I, I actually reference um, the children's book, Stella Luna, which you may or may not know of, but it's it's about a bat that falls out of its nest and lands in a bird's nest and believes it's a bird. And the bat wants to hang upside down, but the birds are like, oh, my God, you're nuts. And the bat wants to fly at night, but the birds are, you know, you can't fly at night. You can't see at night. Of course, the bat sees just fine at night through echolocation. You know, the birds yeah. are eating worms and they're tasty. The bat wants to eat fruit. And, and so the bat makes a terrible bird. It can't be happy. But once it realizes what it is, oh, now everything works out. Once we realize that we are, we are the son of God, the child of God, and nothing else, things start to work out. Until we get to that point, we're going to go through a whole succession of, okay, I want this. Oh, that didn't work out. Oh, now I know what I really want. Let me do that. Oh, no, that didn't work out either. Oh, now I know what I really want. And, and it's okay to do that because that's how we learn. But at some point, if you are listening to this show, you're already in a place of, yeah, there's got to be a better way, and I want to find it, and I'm tired of just being on this merry-go-round that seems like it's going somewhere, but is really just taking me around in circles. That's a great so launching for point. The day. Yeah, preach. No, that's a great launching point. You know, it's like when we when we recognize ourselves as children of God and that we are at one with Him and not separate. Life yeah. goes a lot easier. And so we're going to figure out yeah. how as we go through these paragraphs. We'll get through as many as we can, and then we'll probably pick up the rest in the new year. And then uh, we're going to continue, and we'll, we'll pick the appropriate chapter to work with next. And Yeah, we're just going it. to be guided, folks, by Holy Spirit in this. I mean, when yeah. we finish this, we think we know where we're going next, and, and, you know, and then we'll just see where that leads us. So this could be a real fun year in terms of just following kind of a nonlinear path through A Course in Miracles. Yes, and I wanted to throw out one point. Listen to guidance no matter what form it takes, no matter, and no matter how it comes to you, whether it's a thought, an idea, an inspired impulse, dreams, uh, somebody saying something to you that kind of gives you a, a stillness that, that says, yes, that's a good suggestion. Follow that guidance and go where it leads you. Not where your ego tells you, well, you've, you've done, you've collected the data, done the analysis, and it's come to this conclusion. Don't do that. Follow guidance. You can be a lot happier than, than you imagine yourself to be. So, well, let's talk about the end of illusions. Yes, that would you would like to nice. read the first uh, paragraph? Sure, I'll go first. Take it away. Okay. All right, here we go. So, again, ladies and gentlemen, it's Chapter 16, Section 7, The End of Illusions. Ooh. It is impossible to let past let me start again. It is impossible to let the past go without relinquishing the special relationship. For the special relationship is an attempt to reenact the past and change it. Imagine flights, remembered pain, past disappointments, perceived injustices, and deprivations all enter into the special relationship, which becomes a way in which you seek to restore your wounded self esteem. What basis would you have for choosing a special partner without the past? Every such choice is made because of something, quote, unquote, evil in the past to which you cling and for which must someone and for which must someone else. So I'll read that again. 
Every such choice is made because of something, quote, evil in the past to which you cling and for which must someone else atone. So I like to collect my thoughts and type them up, so I'm just going to give you my take on this. The goal in any relationship should, should, the goal in any relationship should be one of joy, comfort, and peace. The ego whispers that a certain relationship, custom-tailored just for you, will help you escape the past and all of its ghastly remembrances, including the unspeakable. The ego creates the fantasy that entering into a special relationship will allow the pain of the past to magically evaporate. Yet all of the offenses of the past that you are at war against are really everything you value as you enter into a special relationship. Special relationships at first appear to be the perfect salve for your wounds, lovingly applied by the partner you chose as you share your secrets and form a special bond. With the past serving as your filter, you choose the partner that can best elevate you from it under the pretense of purity and hope that it is all-inclusive of your dreams for salvation from pain and that it offers completion. In a holy relationship, there is no sense of separation, but wholeness within each partner. But in a special relationship to the ego, it becomes the responsibility of your partner to compensate and reward you for all the perceived injustices you endured to pay for those sins. That's what I get out of that. That's beautiful. I I hope you're saving all of these things you write and put them together at some point uh, in, in a book. I mean, it doesn't even have to be linear just you know little thoughts and essays i thought that was just spot on um thank you it goes yeah, into a binder yeah. um organized <clears throat> by chapter i had gone out one year and gotten a whole bunch of tabs like one I, I had to match it up to all the chapters in the book but i type them up and then um organize them tuck them away and then yes it will be book material and yeah, then a little for companion. sure yeah. Well, I yeah, thought no, maybe I, you'd want to contribute, too. I was thinking that this morning. Um, just a couple of things. I mean, I, I think you, you pretty much nailed it because I think it is, it's not easy to see how a special relationship is, 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 is a way of um, an attempt to reenact the past and change it. I mean, I think most people would think, oh, no, I'm moving towards the future, Um, But what the Course tells us is what the ego does is it looks to the past in order to shape the future and in the process does this neat little trick of skipping right over the present moment, which, of course, Mm -hmm. is where God lives, where reality lives. It's the only thing that is real. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we look to the past and we can either try to recapture it. Ah, wasn't that great, you know, I, I want to get back to that that kind of um, high of love, and you know I'm going to go from one person to another to another because after I've met someone and talked to them three times, that high dissipates, and now I've got to go searching for it again. Or uh, that last one didn't work. I mean, what what I was just talking about uh, before, you know, I, I I dated a blonde. She was really pretty pretty crazy. I'm going for a redhead next. I'm going to do. You know, this is adjusting your reality based on your past and the course is saying your past is just illusion you know every choice is made because of something evil in the past well when the course puts evil in quotes it's not saying satanic or dark in that way it's evil because it's not real it's illusion it's it's contrary to the will of god and that's what makes it quote unquote evil and it's something to hate 
because we, we yeah. fixate on that hatred of the event, of the person involved, of our reaction to it, that it happened at all. Let me throw out a quick example. If anybody who has been ignored or feels ignored, uh, felt ignored when they were a child by either parent, and then they go out and they're seeking relationships and then find themselves over and over in this pattern of situations where you have to kind of win the love of that person over, look and see why you do this. It's, it's a recreation of the past. If we, did, if we couldn't get daddy's love or mommy's love or attention, and then it creates this battle where if we can triumph over it, then perhaps we're worthy of something. And we'll get into that because it kind of goes into that in, in the next few paragraphs. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a hard All experience. Right. Shall I read on? Read on. Okay. Paragraph two. The special relationship takes vengeance on the past. By seeking to remove suffering in the past, it overlooks the present in its preoccupation with the past and its total commitment to it. No special relationship is experienced in the present. Shades of the past envelop it and make it what it is. It has no meaning in the present, and if it means nothing now, it cannot have any real meaning at all. How can you change the past except in fantasy? And who can give you what you think the past deprived you of? The past is nothing. Do not seek to lay the blame for deprivation on it, for the past is gone. You cannot really not let go what has already gone. It must be, therefore, that you are maintaining the illusion that it has not gone because you think it serves some purpose that you want fulfilled. And it must also be that this purpose could not be fulfilled in the present, but only in the past. So this is just making the point in more detail that we were just discussing. A special relationship is all about the past. It can't exist in the present. Um, I mean, if you really think about it in the pure present moment, what you can't even hold on to anything from the past. Um, and that's a preview of coming attractions in terms of the holy instant. Uh, you know, where's the special relationship? You know, shades of the past envelop it, make it what it is. It has no meaning in the present because nothing from the past has meaning. Um, this, this paragraph reminds me of um, Lesson 289, The Past is Over, It Can Touch Me Not, which I find one of those um, workbook lessons that's just very, a very powerful mantra. You know, when I find myself really kind of, you know, wrestling with something from the past or something that I'm feeling regret about or trying to straighten out. It's just like, you know, taking a scissors to a piece of thread. Snip, the past is over. It can touch me not. Okay, where am I now? Um, let me open to guidance. Let me see where I'm going with the help of Holy Spirit. But so mm. this, this paragraph, as I see it, is all about, you know, past versus present. Absolutely. And it, it, for me, it touched on the topic of triumph again. I'll, I'll tell you what my thoughts were. The focus of the special relationship is the past. It seeks to triumph over it. But in order to do this, you must continually hunt and seek the monster that haunts you so that you might destroy it to make the pain go away. The constant commitment of the ego to achieve this shrouds the present moment with the experiences of the past like a burial garment especially as the newness of the relationship diminishes. What no longer exists cannot be changed, and yet we yearn to undo its effects by looking outward to another instead of upward to God. 
If the past no longer exists, then its reality is forever gone. You can go there in your mind and call to you what you hate, regret, or feel denied from receiving and bring it back to the present with you to keep it alive. But no one can help you fix it or perceive it another way except the Holy Spirit through forgiveness. Therefore, the ego's mission of fulfillment in the present by way of a special relationship is counterfeit because it is impossible to change the past. The Course states that what is unreal cannot be threatened. If the past no longer exists, then how can the pain from your past exist except in the mind that keeps it animated? You, can, you can't reshoot the movie of your life because it makes you angry or sad. And so this is like a twisted way for the mind That's to work, great. to constantly go back and try to recreate. Because Jesus teaches, you know, fantasy is a complete waste of time because it always entails trying to, to change the ending or the outcome of a situation to be something other than what it was to make exactly. yourself feel better. And why waste your time doing this? It, it might be entertaining for a little while, but energetically in, in a metaphysical sense, what it does is it, it clouds your brain. It, it makes you very foggy in the brain from spending too much time in fantasy because that's not the proper place for your mind. The proper place is in the present. And if a special relationship is all about the past, then if you're encountering turbulence in your relationship, look to your past to see where that turbulence began. So no, nothing in the past has meaning, but it does have purpose. Once we find that, then we can find the solution. Once we learn that lesson and that light goes on, you don't have to deal with it anymore, right? I mean, yeah, in the big picture, there is no past, but that's not where um... – you know, the vast majority of us live. We have memories. We um, are haunted by things from the past. We, we um, you know, remember wonderful things from the past. But uh, each one, to the extent that it determines what we think we want, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a very poor, uh, poor tour guide. It doesn't really take us where we need to go. I, I love what you said. You can't reshoot the movie of your life. Um, and yet how many people spend their entire lives, you know, trying to, you know, okay, take, take two, take five, take 35, take 35,000, mm-hmm. um, going over and over and over again, trying to redo the past. Ultimately, and, and I'm going to go real big picture here, any time that we attempt to find meaning from the past that that gives us purpose or that justifies who we are um, now, we are trying to make the separation from God real. What we're really saying is, see, I can justify this, this separation. On my own, through specialness, I can make myself happy. I can, I, 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 I can be all that I can be. But if, all, but if you're already all that you can be because God created you as everything and eternal – then what more can you add to it? Whatever you think you're adding is actually blocking and taking away because you're not seeing reality with a capital R as it really is. And this is saying that that is found in the present and as we'll see um, in the holy relationship. But, but right now we're, we're looking at you know, the ego's fixation on the past and its need to um, – to make the past the only time that really counts. Um, in an earlier section um, on the nature of time, it says the only part of time the ego is really comfortable with is the past. 
uh, and and this is what we're seeing acted out in the special mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. I always taught in my classes that the ego takes from the past uh, memories, energy, what have you, and throws it in the future. It kind of throws it over your head. I would like to draw in my yeah. classes and and illustrate. So the ego grabs something from the past and then tries to recreate it in the future because that is where it's comfortable. That is where it's yep. safe. It's not safe free falling and feeling that it's going to be abandoned. Okay. Ready for paragraph three? Read on. Here we go. This I love this one. Do not underestimate the intensity of the ego's drive for vengeance on the past. It is completely savage and completely insane. For the ego remembers everything you have done that has offended it and seeks retribution of you. The fantasies it brings to its chosen relationships in which to act out its hate are fantasies of your destruction. For the ego holds the past against you, and in your escape from the past, it sees itself deprived of the vengeance it believes you so justly merit. Yet without your alliance in your own destruction, the ego could not hold you to the past. In this special relationship, you are allowing your destruction to be. That this is insane is obvious. But what is less obvious is that, the pre- is that the present is useless to you while you pursue the ego's goal as its ally. That's pretty mm-hmm. strong words yeah, and, yeah. and a, pretty, a pretty deep concept because you've got to stop and say, wait a minute, what just happened? Okay, so you <laughs> have one perception, but at such a subtle level, the ego flips it over. And so here's what I put together for this one. Okay. Here we come to an understanding that the ego makes the victim which is you, the perpetrator of its bruises. The fantasies referred to here, I feel, are self-loathing disguised in the form of defenses. And to release yourself from the need to defend yourself against the past is to deny the ego of its most important victory. What the ego doesn't tell you is that its goal in a special relationship is your own destruction. Self-love and forgiveness would conquer the past quite effectively because it releases its effects on you. But without your cooperation... The ego is left without a victim or a weapon. The insanity of the special relationship is that the truth, the miracle that can change, wait, the miracle that change can only happen in the present escapes us because of our joining with the ego in its obsessions and constantly applying the past to the present in such a way that grief can be the only outcome. So I tried to kind of put it totally in, in, in like a translation that doesn't take you in, out, up, and down. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it's a confusing paragraph. I agree. It is. You have to sit and think about it for a bit. Let it sink in. I, I think part of that is 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 our resistance to really looking at the nature of the ego mind for what it is. And, you know, when um, the Course, when Jesus comes right out and tells us, that, um, you know, uh, basically the ego wants to destroy us, you know, um, that feels pretty and, and intense. Yet, and yet fears its own death. Of course. I mean, this is the power, the, you know, you want to know that how the ego is insane? Well, the ego doesn't believe it's you, but it also knows that it can't live on its own. It's jealous of you because you, the real you, is, you know, I am as God created me. The ego will never be anything but nothingness in a form that resembles something, but that's really nothing. 
Um, so the ego wants to kill you. The ego wants to kill us, and yet it knows it can't really do that, so it tries to you know, sort of swing us into an alliance. I mean, the whole thing is so, so crazy um, when you really look at it. It's, it, yeah. it truly is insanity. Um, but, you know, in, that this is insane is obvious. So when we collude, when the ego gets us to collude with it by buying into a special relationship, we are really allowing it to um, kill us. And let me point out, um, you know, in this paragraph, the ego remembers everything you have done that has offended it and seeks retribution of you. You know, we, we have, I believe, sort of this core primal guilt and shame at having separated from God. And the Course talks about this. And, mm. you know, we project that outward, and then we think that God must be mad at us for this. And now God's going to attack us for it. And now we have to defend ourselves against God. But that's pretty insane. So we project it out into the world and defend mm-hmm. ourselves against our brothers who we think are going to attack us. But this idea that the ego remembers everything you've done that has offended it. I mean, how many people are haunted, um, you know, just totally um, captive to, to guilt and to shame? Oh, my God, I can't believe I said this. I did this. Um, you know, 20 years ago, I, did this. I, I once worked with a woman. I'm sure she's passed on by now because it was decades ago who was afflicted with something they call scrupulosity. She was Catholic, and she'd go into confession every week and confess the exact same sin that she had had a little triced and almost affair. It wasn't even a fully consummated one with a man when she was, you know, like married in her early 30s or something. She was in her 70s at this point. And, you know, you can almost see the ego kind of, you know, grabbing at her and, you know, taking bites out of her holiness um, because she she couldn't escape from it. We all carry this kind of stuff, and the ego loves it because it uses it against us. But then it pulls this very clever little bait and switch and says, ooh, but you can get out of it if you find someone who's so special that they might love you, um, and then you'll know that you're okay. Except nobody can love you that way because it's it, you're starting off from a false premise. You're starting off from the premise that you lack something, that you're guilty, that you're shame-bound, uh, and you're not. So the moment you start off from that false premise, everything you do is driven by ego and ultimately confirms that for you. This is, this is you know, here's the merry-go-round again. Um, huh. Whereas the moment you go, you know, stop, I don't want this. There must be a better way. Holy Spirit, help me to see this differently. Give me this shift in perception. Um, I want to see my brother's holiness instead of projecting out my guilt and my sense of sin onto him and then acting it out that way. So, you know, a special relationship is a special love relationship, but we also have special, as you were saying, special hate relationships, and we project the hate Mm -hmm. out, and then we think people hate us. Often, it's the same person who, you know, had the love and now has the hate. You know, I mean, uh, divorce attorneys wouldn't be in business if we didn't have that. So it's Mm. all pretty crazy. I want to throw a question out and see what you have uh, to say about it. So is the everything you have done that 
has offended it, has offended the ego. What do you think is the most offensive to the thing to the ego? Not paying attention to it? Or the most offensive thing to the it? ego and the thing that threatens it the most is beginning to wake up to the voice of Holy Spirit because that mm-hmm. shakes ego to its core. The moment mm-hmm. that happens, it knows its days are numbered. You know, whether you wake up the next morning or whether it takes you four more lifetimes, um, you know, time is an illusion. But the moment you, the moment you catch on to its game, and as I said, you know, use the I, I use the phrase that that Bill used with Helen that that opened up the door to the scribing of a course in miracles. There must be another way. You know, the moment yeah. you go, all right, I've I've tried all of this. I don't like what I'm feeling and I am no longer trying to solve it myself. Um, I'm going to be open to higher guidance. I mean, this is sort of steps one, two, and three of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, recognizing I'm powerless, uh, but that there is, and I'm paraphrasing uh, because I never bothered to memorize these, but that basic (laughs) idea of on my own, I can't get out of it, um, but there is a power that will that if I surrender to it will help me. Now the course doesn't talk in terms of surrender. There, you know, there is no real battle. The word surrender does not appear anywhere in a course in miracles, mm-hmm. but it does talk about remembering, reawakening, realigning your will with the only will that there is. So back to your question, yeah, what shakes the ego to its very bones is the moment you go, I don't think I want to listen to that voice anymore, and there must be another way, and then you start to discover that other way. As you mm-hmm. said earlier, Shard, you follow guidance, and it could come in a voice. It could come in you know, a line from a movie, um, a vanity yeah. license plate, uh, a fortune cookie. Uh, you know, Me you sure. flip open a page of the Bible or a course in merit. It doesn't matter how it comes. Your openness to receive it will guarantee that you will get it. <laughs> exactly. But when but when you read that for the second time, I'm looking at it like, well, hmm, let's talk about what really offends the ego. Like, I, And I loved your answer. That was great. Okay. Where are we? Paragraph four? I mean, in a way, I would almost say the, everything we do offends the ego. <laughs> Because okay. it's so it's so insane, um, and you know there's a great great uh, short story by Mark Twain, um, one of my all time favorites. It's called "The Facts Concerning the Recent Carnival of Crime in Connecticut," and it's a guy who talks about you know he's going to get a visit from an aunt he loves, but she always makes him feel bad. He gets feeling very guilty because she brings up his smoking and she asks him if he's been nice and given money to the beggars who come to the door. And so before she appears, this little shabby guy kind of shuffles in and it's his conscience. And he starts having this discussion with his conscience and um, without giving away the whole um, story, uh, you know, he discovers that his conscience delights in torturing him and that, you know, there's some people who have no conscience and, you know, they're swindlers and crooks, but then there are other people, you know, whose consciences are 30 feet high and they can get them to feel bad over the slightest little thing. Well, you know, that, that kind of is, is the ego, whatever we do, our ego will find a way to show us that, you know, wasn't quite right. 
I mean, as a writer, everything I write, no matter what it is, at some point I'm going to go back and go, eh, I could have said that better. That's ego. Sure. That's ego. I'm guilty of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, should I read uh, the next paragraph? is very, very short, um, so yeah. I think we certainly have time for that. Yeah, um, let's get through that. Try to get to six if we can. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. So, paragraph four. The past is gone. Seek not to preserve it in the special relationship that binds you to it and would teach you salvation is past, and so you must return to the past to find salvation. There is no fantasy that does not contain the dream of retribution for the past. Would you act out the dream or let it go? You know, this is sort of that idea, trying to solve a dream from within a dream by having another dream or a different dream doesn't do anything. Um, You know, the end of, uh, I think it's chapter 27, talks about the dreamer of the dream and the hero of the dream and Mm -hmm. all of our attempts as a dreamer to, to make this work. You know, this is saying, I mean, you know, this is classic Course in Miracles. It's just so beautifully to the point, you know. There is no, you were talking about fantasy earlier, every fantasy contains the dream of retribution for the past. You know, I want it thus, I want it differently. Um, Would you act out the dream and keep dreaming or let it go and begin to wake up? And this is what we've been talking about the whole segment. Around and around. It's like the carousel you referenced, around and around, like Groundhog Day, same thing, different day. Exactly. In fact, I was thinking about Groundhog Day when I read this and, and the part of the movie where he's trying to win over Andy McDowell's love and he learns, oh, she likes this drink and this toast. And, you know, and he's just trying to get her in bed. And no matter how much he thinks he knows and is trying to manipulate it, it always ends with her throwing her drink in his face and leaving him <laughs> because... He's trying to solve the problem from within the dream, within, you know, within his, his ego mind. He hasn't let go mm-hmm. yet and discovered that there's a better way. Right. So I'm really glad you brought that up. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, here's yeah. what I get. The ego depicts the past as a sanctuary instead of a prison so that you will strengthen your attachments to it. You can go there and forever seek to somehow redeem, rescue, or heal yourself, but you will never find the answer. You must recognize that these weak attempts at restoring your self-esteem are really just a form of vengeance. So your choice now is that you can either continue to participate in what is gone and yet still painful or recognize its harmlessness in the present. That was pretty to the point. That's what I get out of that. Yeah. I mean, I love uh, and I might want to borrow this one from you, the idea that you know, is, is, is the past a sanctuary as the ego sees it, or is it a prison? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just beautiful. And I think that Thank now you. that, yeah, the ego sees it as a sanctuary. Let's hang out in the past. We're safe here. We're safe here. Well, what are we safe from? We're safe from God. How can you be safe from God? God created you. God is reality. You know, how can you be safe from reality? That's like saying, well, you know, I'm safe from the air here. <laughs> no, you can't be safe from air or you're going to die. Um, and the ego would say, but God's the one that let all these things happen to you. Yeah, you know? that's a nice and, little and twist of the ego, isn't it? Poke that fear, you know, keep poking the fear. No, this is safe. Come back here. It's familiar. 
You already know it. You don't have to be scared of the future. Just keep recreating this, and you'll be okay. That is insane. That is insane. It's crazy. And the idea that God created this world and that God is responsible for everything that you do and that happens to you is an extremely um, destructive, pernicious belief that is propagated by most religions. You know, um, Mm -hmm. one of the beauties of the Course and one of the things that really for me just says this is truth is that idea that God has no clue about anything that happens here. This is, a, this is a fever dream of the Son of God that all God knows is, okay, something got blocked for this infinitesimal instant that never even really existed because you can't change God's reality. And zip, suddenly there's a correction for it, and it is corrected. But within the dream of time, because time is very elastic from within the dream it can take millions and millions of years or it can happen a lot sooner and you know um at the in the beginning of the course in the early chapters it says the purpose of miracles is to save time uh in the manual for teachers it says time Mm -hmm. is wound on wearily for you know far longer than any of us have any idea of but Mm -hmm. each time we allow holy spirit in and, and and allow miracles to happen through us. Not we're not doing it, but they're happening through us when we allow it. You know, we're saving a thousand years of time, as as uh, you know, as as we would reckon it. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, awesome. It's it's a prison. It's not a sanctuary. <laughs> mhm. Absolutely. Okay. Paragraph five. Go for it. Here we go. Special relationship, it does not seem to be an acting out of vengeance that you seek. And even when the hatred and the savagery break briefly through, the illusion of love is not profoundly shaken. Yet the one thing the ego never allows to reach awareness is that the special relationship is the acting out of vengeance on yourself. Yet what else could it be? In seeking the special relationship, you look not for glory in yourself. You have denied that it is there, and the relationship becomes your substitute for it, and vengeance becomes your substitute for atonement, and the escape from vengeance becomes your loss. That's another flip, like paragraph, what was it, three? The way it kind of, the ego paints a picture of what you really want is not what you want, and what hurts you is what you need, and so I put my thoughts together on that one. Here it reiterates and supports its previous point that to the ego, it's the victim that needs to be destroyed. Sentence two, and even when the hatred and the savagery break briefly through, the illusion of love is not profoundly shaken. Sentence two draws our attention to the fact that the illusions we hold of what love is does not become terribly disturbed, even when the ego's ferocity or violence, and by that I mean attack in any form, rises to be seen. If the special relationship causes so much pain and confusion, what truth could there be other than the goal of it is for our own failure and incomprehensible departure from reality? The special relationship doesn't deliver or even offer what you seek because what you are searching for, your own magnificence as a child of God, is within you. Having denied it, you look for something to attach yourself to that you are convinced will fill that void. And the final sentence truly demonstrates the insanity of the ego's goal. We seek peace, but instead accept war. 
and to free yourself of vengeance against the past and yourself is experienced as loss, defeat, and a form of death. And so the last sentence was, and vengeance becomes your substitute for atonement, and the escape from vengeance becomes your loss. And that's the flip part. I'll read it again. We seek peace, but instead we accept war in a relationship. And to free yourself of that vengeance against the past and yourself is experienced as loss. So when you break out of the special relationship, when you free yourself from it, we experience that as loss. And it's it's like How crazy is that, right? Getting away from the worst thing that ever happened to you is the worst thing that ever happened to you. Is how the yeah. ego paints it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, I mean the best way to, I think to understand it is it's it's a con job. Um, you know, I, um, again, I touch on this in, in, in my book, although I think I may have cut it. I once read a book back in the 1960s called The Man Who Sold the Eiffel Tower. And it was about this <clears throat> consummate con artist who was so good that he sold the Eiffel Tower not once but twice by posing as a representative of the French government and telling you know these people he was meeting with from scrap metal firms that they were selling it for scrap metal. Um, and this guy was so good that people believed him. When they finally caught, when the cops finally caught up and arrested him, he was right in the middle of a con, and um, and he actually said to the cops, uh, the gendarmes, he said, you know, would you mind if I, I'm kind of short of money? Would you let me complete this last con so I at least have some money before I go to prison? And of course they said, you, you know, ridiculous. And they went to the place where his mark, the guy he was going to cheat, was waiting for him. And they said, you know, we've got to tell you, you've been the victim of a, of a horrible con here, and um, we've just arrested the guy. And do you think the guy was relieved? No, he was furious at the police because he felt like this was the deal of a lifetime, and the cops had just screwed it up for him. That's what the ego does for us. It sells us on... On, on, on this dream this of we can get something that's better than God. We can get something that's better than waking up to our true identity and salvation. And, mm-hmm. and so the line you were, you were um, emphasizing here, Shar, which is the one that deserves all that emphasis, is escape from vengeance becomes loss. And as we start feeling from the ego's perspective, it's not, oh, my God, I got away from the worst thing that ever happened to me. It's like, ah, oh, darn, you know, I really wanted that thing. Um, yeah. There's an earlier section where um, uh, the Jesus of the Course tells us, everything the ego tells you that you need will hurt you. <laughs> and, and it's another <laughs> one of my absolute favorites because it's so clear. You know, it's like, what, <laughs> everything? Yeah, everything, everything the ego tells you you need will hurt you because it's coming from this place that will block you, um, you know, from recognizing your true self and the fact that in the reality of God, you have no needs. And that, in fact, even here, when we allow that reality to come through, the things, the places where we thought we had needs, they just sort of auto-correct, um, you know, in, in a way that often goes, huh, why, why was I worried about that? That, that worked out really well. But in, as long as we're listening to the ego, nope, we're going to chase around and around and around. And um, it's all pretty crazy. It's all pretty insane. <laughs> huh. Cool. Do you want to end with We're the victim of a massive con job. <laughs> we are. We are. And, and we don't know 
what's best for us. So it's best to listen to someone who does know. I and yeah. <laughs> you know over time it's so much more comfortable to put to put my faith in God or or the divine than it is for me to try to decide something. I gave that up long ago. I still make Absolutely. some decisions. Do you want to end with paragraph five or go on to six real quick as it mentions the Holy Spirit? Um, I think we're at a pretty good point here, and and you know why don't we pick this up? Uh, you know next month, next year with paragraph six. Does okay. That- would that be okay? That would be great. Yeah, yes. because I, I yeah, and think... then I'll keep it total with the Holy Spirit because it gets really into His role. Exactly, and this 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 section ends with um, uh, a prayer that you know that that has a very interesting story behind it with Helen and Bill. So you know um, we can talk a little bit about that. It was one of Bill's favorites, and I think it even is in. Um, you know, choose once again, uh, Bill's selections, which you've been reading from uh, uh-huh. at the end of these shows. Um, so, you know, definitely, uh, what do they say? Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's great. And, and the prayer is very interesting. And I'm looking forward to hearing that story about Helen and Bill. I love Helen and Bill stories. Um, but I'm yeah. saving that prayer for when we get to paragraph 12. And I chose another one to go with what we just read today, something very brief and beautiful. Great. Okay. So what's coming up for you? We have the holidays and then we'll be talking in January and we'll, we'll yes. see about finishing uh, up there is, this section. Mm-hmm. For those who are listening live, um, you know, if you're listening archived, uh, then this will have already happened. Um, and as we know, you can't reshoot the movie of the past. But if you're no. listening live, um, I will be at the um, very large um, Community Miracle Center Course in Miracles conference in San Francisco toward the end of February. I know tickets are still available. It is costly, but what you should know about that cost is it includes all of your meals as well. They They include like for all-you-can-eat meals uh, in addition to the cost of the conference. And there will be, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of well-known Course in Miracles teachers there. But I'll be doing a, a, a talk with my um, Course in Miracles partner, um, Tam Morgan, who is Judy Scutchwitson's daughter and who is, you know, my compatriot in, uh, in, in running the foundation and we'll probably go into our very interesting story of specialness, special relationships, and how um, how we wound up running this foundation. So uh, if you're at all curious, and if you can get out to San Francisco, go to the Community Miracle Center website, CMC website. Um, go to the conference, and if you sign up, tell them uh, because they want to know who sent you there. Um, We'll, mm. we'll 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 play that game. Tell them that you know it was Doctor Bob. <laughs> no, tell them it was um, Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. That's what you tell them. <laughs> you could do that, but you, you won't be one of the choices on their menu. <laughs> I know. No, tell Doctor Bob. That, you know. <laughs> and then the other thing Bob. is, I will have this book coming out in March, and I intend to um, once we get past the holidays send out an email blast with some samples from it. So if you aren't on my um, email list, do feel free to go to fromplaguestomiracles.com where you can sign up um, because I will be sending those out. Um, I'm 
pretty excited about this book. It's the first book of a five-book series that's an introduction to A Course in Miracles. And for the first book, I really thought hard about what is the essence of the course that I would try to explain to someone. And it's what I was talking about earlier, that we can't get to peace, love, and happiness if we're starting from a false premise, if we, if, if we think we know what we are and we really don't. Um, and the book kind of you know, goes on to look at that and gets to you know, how to love your brother as yourself uh, and miracles and how they flow from that. So I'll be sending out some samples of that in the new year as well um, and starting to write the second book, which is going to be about forgiveness and relationship. Awesome. Yeah, so all that awesome. we've been doing this last year is just perfect. <laughs> Sure. I, it, it's really worked out well. I'm really enjoying it. And the timing is very interesting about what I mean by that is certain things happen in my life at the same time that we read a section that kind of explains it, if that makes sense. It makes such sense. It, it's exactly what we were talking about, that when you align your will with God's, Right. You know, the Holy Spirit takes over and things happen and they're all mutually beneficial. You know, they're, they're, they're win-wins and, um, you know, and uh, yeah. hey, life gets good. I just found it kind of freaky. My life this entire year kind of matched up with the way these sections marched on, even if we had to skip a segment. <laughs> That's great. Well, you, you know, time's an illusion. <laughs> Yeah, but even if we had to skip a segment and we picked up where we left off and we think, oh, we might think, oh, we're behind. No, we were right on point with yeah. everything that's happening now. So it's pretty cool. And I'm glad that you mentioned the conference. Um, you do have that on your website, correct? Because anybody who does hear the archive can go right to your website. Boy, you know, do well. I have it on my website? I'm not sure. I might not. Uh, okay. I think I'd have posted it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to check on that. Um, so so what's the point. other Thank website you. again, just in case? Uh, yes, community. the other one is the Community Miracle Center, CMC. Um, but I'm going to try to get make sure that that is on my website under events. And if it's not, um, I'm going to you know try to post that today or tomorrow at the latest, so that so that that will be there with a link. Um, I okay. have sent out. If you're on my email list, uh, I have included that in um, in the last couple of email blasts that I've sent out. Uh, have had the link to that. Um, but if you're not on my list, uh, you know, when you want to go to the conference, check out CMC or just sign up for the list, and the next time I send out an email blast, it will have a link to the conference. Sign up on it. Excellent. Okay. So you can just put Community Miracles Center, Center. in Google, and it will take you right to – uh, yeah, it should come up with their the site, yes. Yeah, it's, the, the website name is a little bit different, but just type in Yeah, that I think it's and CMC in the website, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, just just type it in because there's John Monday, John Monday and some attendees. What? Tina Turner. Yeah, okay. Who? There's, I guess somebody wrote an article and referenced Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? Oh, okay. I was going to okay, say, I don't think she, Tina Turner's it, speaking. I know. Be... It, it, her picture caught my eye. Like, oh, is she going? Okay. Yeah. I had a chance to meet her when I was a teenager, but didn't really know who she was. So kind of passed wow. on it, and now I regret it. Yeah. Anyway, there is something we do want to uh, announce to everybody. Um, Dr. Bob's friend, Gary Renard, who is the best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Um 
has come out with a new book, and he had asked us to put a shout-out to all of our followers, and so I wanted to mention it on the show. So the book is available now, and it's called The Lifetimes When Jesus and Buddha Knew Each Other, A History of Mighty Companions. And so he goes into other lifetimes that um, Jesus and Buddha had together, not as themselves, as other people. And it's got great uh, reviews by James Twyman and Mike Lemieux, author of uh, Dude, Where's My Jesus Fish? And I have gotten started at skimming it. Uh, I've been pretty pressed for time since I've been packing um, to go somewhere where I don't know where I'm going. It's all been a lot of fun. But it's pretty funny, actually, the way Gary yeah, writes. Yeah, Gary's pretty funny, yeah. And it, I, I'm almost finished with it, but I would I would definitely recommend it because Gary is one of uh, one of a unfortunately one of a small group of Course in Miracles teachers because uh, it should be a large group who really understand the pure non-dualism of the Course and by tracking the lifetimes where Jesus and Buddha learned their lessons, so to speak, he's able to show the differences between things that. Um, look, look like dual, look like non-dualism, but aren't. And and the ego's intense desire to pull non-dual systems—that is, like the Course in Miracles—that there's only God, there's only oneness. Um, what isn't oneness is illusion, um, and to pull them back into duality. Uh, Gary actually asked me for permission. Um, to put a review of, uh, I wrote of a, a, a teaching called A Course of Love um, that I, I'd written an Amazon review that is no longer up on Amazon, but Gary put it in his book. I didn't know he was going to do that. So I have, uh, I don't know, about three pages in the book, uh, in Gary's book as well. Um, but I, oh. I, I, do, I very much appreciate Gary's um, unflinching fidelity to what I also see as the true teaching of the Course. Um, David mm-hmm. Hoffmeister be, would be someone else who I, I, I see as having that absolute true north um, fidelity to what the Course is really saying. And mm. as it turns out, they're the two people who I asked for endorsements for my book. So, there you go. <laughs> small world. <laughs> there you go. And I really yep. enjoyed I like the channeled aspect, of course. And um, Pretty cool. I'm, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm going to I'll be taking some time off soon, so maybe I can sit with it for a couple of days and and get right through it, and then I'll have him on the air to talk about it at some point. That'd be great. No, he's he's yeah. he's delightful. He is. He's he's quite lovely. I like him a lot. Okay. Yep. Alrighty. I think we got everything out. Thank you everybody for joining us. Don't forget from PlaguesToMiracles.com, also SpiritualInsightsRadio.com. Check out the archives. Uh, check out the products and services that are available and uh, dive into the course with us if you are so inclined and absolutely get Dr. Bob's book from Plagues to Miracles. It's tremendous. Okay, Thank Dr. You. Bob. So the, the prayer for today is really short and sweet. This is from Choose Once Again, Selections from A Course in Miracles, published by the Foundation for Inner Peace, a collection of uh, Dr. Bill's favorites. And this is on page 71. I share my father's will for me, his son. What he has given me is all I want. What he has given me is all there is. I share God's will for happiness for me. And so if you're not feeling that, connect with his will to touch your own. And we'll leave it there. Amen. Amen. Thank you, as always, Dr. Bob, for being such a large contributor to the show and for all of your loving support. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Until next time, everyone. 
God bless and be at peace. Mm-mm. <laughs>